The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. This is, um, okay, we're, we're on holy land here. We're on holy ground. And um, I don't expect you to take your shoes off. Okay, the Moses before the burning bush stuff. You know, this is, um, this is significant stuff. Uh, and, it's, and it's the kind of scene that, uh, that makes an impression, right? And it's clear that it, that it makes an impression on the apostles. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's clear that this, this event was, uh, you know, truly extraordinary, you know, not just for us in, in recounting it and trying to grapple with it and understand it to some extent, uh, but also them, just the, just the um, I will say, the severity of the impression uh, that this that this left on on the apostles, and yet it's and it's a scene of um, you know seeming confusion as well. You know the way that it ends. They, they're questioning what rising from the dead meant. They're, they don't really grasp like what's what's all happened and what's playing out in front of them. Uh, but at least I'll say they've they've probably remembered this this great line uh, from the clouds. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Right? This is my beloved son. Listen to him. So. I'm trying to do a little. I'm trying to do a little exercise these days in my preaching. Like, I come. I usually come around to the end and say, if you haven't heard anything else, then like, let's go with this. But like, if you're not going to listen to anything, else, <laughs> I'm going to reverse the order today. Okay. If you're not going to hear anything else, then at least hear this. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Okay. And actually, there's much more there than just okay. This kind of dreaded and and severe obedience to Jesus, because the whole scene is one of say, revelation of the beloved son, right? The beloved son whom God wants us to see, whom God wants us to hear, right? I mean, he's, he's shining out with the, with the glory of God from every pore. His, his clothes are, are um, you know, but, let's say dazzling white, as it were, uh, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. He wants to be seen, right? God wants his son to be seen. And when his son is seen, it's not, as, it's not enough to say, okay, let's, there you go, put him out there, he's on display. He said, this is my beloved son. Right? The father delights in the son. Yeah, so the, we have this sense of um, piety, I think. This, okay, very, very severe. You, I mean, you probably pick it up from me, actually, in my actions. You know, it's like, okay, very severe. Do all the, do all the things, do them all right, and all the, and all the rest. We, this is the most serious business in the world. It is the most serious business in the world. Love is the most serious business in the world. Right? And, the, and the delight of the, of the Father for the Son and the Son in the Father is what, is what propels the entire story forward. So for us, it's ours to, to see the unfolding of that scene 
and know that we are sons in the Son. We're sons and daughters in the Son of God. So we're, we're enabled to have this relationship with, uh, with God, our Father, as well. So it's, it's important for us to just see, okay, here's Jesus, this bright, this bright shining light, right? This, this lighthouse uh, in, the, in the midst of, you know, wherever it is, wherever it is, like our, our hearts, our lives, you know, here in this particular scene, you know, up the, up the high mountain, apart by themselves. Jesus is shining brightly and he's drawing us to himself. Yeah, I mean, even if you look at, say, okay, well, we're, look, we're, to, we're talking about the stuff of revelation, right? This, the Son of God is, is revealed as the beloved Son. He's revealed as the, uh, uh, as the one in whom God delights. Uh, that's a very interesting thing because it's not as though, it's not like Moses, 40-day fast, receive the tablets of the law, come down, okay, guys, here's the stuff, here's the, here are the rules, let's do it. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, got 10 words for you, right? No, this, it's, it's actually much deeper still because it's not a revelation of, say, content. It's a revelation of the person. And so it's ours to be drawn into personal relationship with, with Jesus. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, get the, we'll get the rules and the laws later, but the rules and the laws all conduce to our growth in love of God, the God who reveals himself, certainly on this day, in and as Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, the God who is calling us to Himself to participate in this in this exchange of love uh, that is that is His by rights. I really I just want to say a couple words because I'm gonna I'll I'll lose it before before we've even gotten going here. Moses and Elijah are, are very significant figures. I give you the Cliff's notes of the Cliff's notes today. Okay, Moses and Elijah very significant figures. They're both um, say bring as as God's prophets uh, uh, preaching. How do I say? They're bringing God's truth to bear against the people who would otherwise steer God's people astray. So you have uh, Elijah with Jezebel. You have Moses with the Pharaoh, right? And one of the interesting things that you see is the the pagan practices um, of of the foreign nations start infiltrating the people of Israel. Start coming idolatrous ideas. Of, of, the, of the nations, of the pagans, start coming into the practices of Israel. This is when God needs prophets especially, right? This, so God is moving Moses and Elijah in, onto the scene at a time where Israel is in need of purification. There's a purification along the lines of um, worship. So in, in this, and you can remember in, in uh, this, uh, the story with, with Moses and Pharaoh, he wants to take his people out into the wilderness to offer sacrifice because they can't do it where they are. Their hearts are so burdened by the practices of the foreign empire that they're not able to offer their hearts in praise of the true and living God. And they have to go out there, they've got to take everything with them. Elijah, the, the, the same kind of thing, but more of, more of an encroachment. It's more of a, a destruction on the inside of the thing. And he then has to do battle with the prophets of Baal, right? The people have given themselves over to praising the God of uh, fertility and um, uh, an abundance, like um, uh, what do you say? Um, the, the say produce and and this kind of thing, right? It's it's the lands. We want the lands to flourish. We're gonna we're gonna worship and sacrifice ourselves to to that God in order to bring about what we want. We want food, yeah, and we want the propagation of of, of our own people. And so we just give ourselves. A, so Elijah comes on the scene and shows Baal to be totally powerless and be restored to all the power 
and then the people clamor, right, for, for love of God. We want, we want to be restored to, to right worship. Okay, Jesus, this, Jesus the same way. Okay, Jesus is on the scene in order to lead his people into a renewal of who God always intended them to be. Yeah, so St. Augustine actually calls the, the, um, the sacrifice of the Mass, which is a representation of Jesus' sacrifice on Good Friday. He calls it a purifying sacrifice. Yeah, and it's a purifying sacrifice because it, catching us up into it, we're able to offer ourselves to God whole and entire. And then, and then we get to receive from God the fruit of the sacrifice, right? From the altar, we see, we receive the fruit of the sacrifice, which is Jesus' risen body and blood. Okay, so this is the, the purifying sacrifice that's affected here. What is it? It's all kind of, can I say, it's, it's, it goes against idolatry. And I have to get that word in uh, here close to the beginning of Lent because Lent, our 40-day journey, is about the uprooting of idolatry. So it's to say, you know, what are we building our lives on? What are our lives about? And how are we going to get there? You know, all those questions that we ask ourselves, they're all kind of meaning-oriented um, questions. If we, ask those quest if we answer those questions honestly, we're going to get a bead on you know, who it is we love, trust, and obey. What it is we love, trust, and obey. Okay, and I'll, I'll offer for, our, for uh, I don't know, our sake here, that usually the, God, usually the God that we love, trust, and obey is mammon. And if we're doing battle against any particular God, it's probably going to be him. It's going to be, it's going to be money. It's going to be wealth. Because we want, we want um, security. You know, we, we, want, uh, we want comforts. We want so-and-so. And we think that mammon is the one who's going to get us there. Right? So if I just had a little bit more money, then you know, everything would be fine. Okay, so this, this 40-day journey with Jesus is about uprooting idolatry. Right? What are we entrusting ourselves to? Again, what do we, in this purifying way, it should be Jesus and Jesus alone, right? Jesus in this purifying sacrifice, catching us up into his own life of love, a life of love that, that is, say, the delight of the Father and a return of his whole person to him. We're caught up in that same exchange, and then we're made free to live as people who worship God, people who love, trust, and obey God. We get to pour ourselves out in his service because of the power of Jesus' spirit that's a work in us and working through us. And then we join, you know, we join Jesus on this day. We see he's taken his, his, uh, his disciples up a high mountain apart by themselves. We too are making that kind of pilgrimage with him. And if we make that pilgrimage with him in, in, every, in, in everything we are committed to this Lenten season, in all of our penitential disciplines and practices, then we also will see day by day as we go the revelation of Jesus, right? We find that, in fact, he's, he's not always silent, right? He, and it's not, it, perhaps, it, perhaps he's not often silent, but it's that our ears are not attuned to hearing what he has to say. But going, but being taken apart by ourselves in this Lenten journey, this Lenten pilgrimage, we're made ready to receive this great revelation of God. And so we're made prepared to do exactly what that voice from the cloud has said. This is my beloved son. We adore him. We praise him. This is my beloved son. Listen to him.